I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message. Our scripture lesson for today is from Job chapter 2, verses 11 and 13. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Their names were Eliphaz the Tenanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Nathanite. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, the air over their heads wailing loudly, they tore their clothes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. This is God's word for God's people. Thanks be to God. Well, it's wonderful to have friends together and always uh, I would enjoy having that kind of celebration, but I didn't make this up. <laughs> this is a national holiday. It came about as far back as 1935. We had National Friendship Day was um, promoted and established by the United States Congress. And so we have celebrated it on many different levels. Um, Hallmark gets in on that. I have a friend who says, oh, great, another Hallmark um, holiday. <laughs> but uh, the friendship, the National Friendship Day is one that has become popular all over the world. And the one that's most celebrated around the world is in India. And uh, National Friendship Day Actually, the United States in 1997 decided that we needed a world, Nash, a world friendship ambassador. So this is for the entire world. And it was established that Winnie the Pooh is our world ambassador of friendship, the little cartoon character of Winnie the Pooh. And so we have this National Friendship Day. But... Friendship is something that we have to work on if we are to maintain friendships. There's a study that comes out of the University of Kansas that says 40 to 60 hours, not consecutive but close, 40 to 60 hours of contact are needed for us to build a casual friendship. 80 to 100, I'm not sure what happened to those other 20. Evidently, you're just kind of in the middle there. But 80 to 100 hours of not continual but close contact with a person means that you can call them a friend. You can drop the casual. And it takes between 100 and 200 hours close contact to maintain a good friend or develop a best friend. So we have to invest time 
in order to build a friendship. We have to give time of ourselves in order to do that. And that is a gift that we have from our God. God gives us his time, is present with us. But friendship is also very hard to define. There's an author that wrote a 300-page book about friendship, and he concluded that it's easier to talk about what friendship is not. Friendship is not a relationship that helps build up your status as the goal. Or the goal of the relationship should not be that you get an invitation to their um, vacation condo. Or that you're simply bored and want someone to be around. Those do not develop friendships nor would he define those as true friendships. He does say friendship is like beautiful art. When you see it, you appreciate it for what it is. And so, in other words, that means friendship, you recognize it when you see it, right? It's hard to put a definition to it. There was a hospital staff person that identified a perfect example for friendship that she saw happen in a hospital room of a 10-year-old. She said the 10-year-old had come in, he had been diagnosed with a tumor on his spine, and he was just distraught, anxious, didn't have words to describe what he was feeling. He was, part of the time, he was just totally withdrawn, and other parts of the time, he was just angry and didn't know how to express himself. The family was going through the very same emotions as he was. Not really a big help to him. And the hospital staff person said one day his best friend was allowed to come up and visit. His best friend was an 11-year-old boy who walked in the hospital room and without a word climbed in his best friend's bed, and they simply sat there together. Not a word was exchanged the entire visit between a 10-year-old and an 11-year-old. And the staff person said, for the first time, there was peace in the room. It even permeated and affected the family that was sitting there as well. No one spoke. He was just present as a best friend. And so you see, we know it when we see it. And friendships, good friendships can change us. Well, there are things that qualify friendships. Research tells us. And one of those very important things is to be heard, to be a person that listens to another. That's something that builds a friendship. In fact, in Africa and Zimbabwe, they have developed what they call friendship benches, and they are throughout the country. They've praised friendship benches, and what they found was in that culture, 
it is not culturally acceptable to share your feelings. And so they had an abundance of people who were distressed and depressed. And so they created friendship benches and they would put people, they would assign people to these different benches throughout the country who had been trained to listen. And sure enough, over a period of time, the statistics showed that when they went back and they talked to the people that they knew had frequented friendship benches, they talked to over 675 different people, and only 1% of those was not affected in a positive way. Listening is important. Listening as a friend is a gift that we can give. Also, being present, showing up, being there is a gift to give to a friend. And the other is the gift of connection. We can connect with the other. And the example of that that we have in in a kind of a different way is in the book of Job these very famous friends of Job. We heard about them in our reading. Their names, Eleazar, Bildad, and Zophar. And they showed up. But they did several things right. In the, in the first two chapters of Job, we have this story of a man who is very righteous. He's a very godly man. He does what God wants him to do. And then... Through no fault of his own, he loses absolutely everything and everyone that he loved. Everything is gone. The reason for that's another sermon. We won't go there. But what we do know is that Job was suffering deeply. And these three friends showed up. And the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, we have these friends that show up and stay with Job. They did several things right. One is they heard. You see, they came from different places. They weren't just living right across the street from Job and said, hey, you know, there's something going on over there. They lived away. They had to travel to get there. They had stayed connected as friends enough to know. And it wasn't where they could receive a text message or an email. They had to stay connected intentionally to be able to find out what was going on in Job's life. And that now was a time he was suffering great, great loss. And so they heard. And they came. They sacrificed their own personal agenda. They dropped what they were doing so that they could travel and be with their friend to offer the love and support that they felt for him. And so they came. And then they offered, they offered to Job their time they stayed 
they didn't just travel and say, you know, I really got to get back. I've got an, an appointment later on today. So hi, bye. I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. I'm out of here. They stayed seven days. Seven days and seven nights. They sat there beside Job. And in those moments where they stayed, nothing was spoken. Nothing was said. Many of us find that really, really hard to do, really difficult to be around someone that we think we ought to fix whatever situation they're in. It's really difficult to just be present. And yet, folks, it's the greatest gift that you can give. Think about yourself when you've been in a tragic situation where you've suffered maybe great loss in your own personal life. Do you remember the words that were spoken when people showed up to be supportive? Probably not. You probably don't remember that. But you do remember who was there. You see, our presence is the greatest gift to be given. So they were there. They stayed. And they didn't have to say anything. They had connected with one another. We know how to do that. Scripture tells us, we read, that they had connected with one another so they could go together and mourn with Job. We do that maybe when we coordinate meals for some family that's in need. We take in food so that we don't get 10 meals in one day and nothing for 10 days. But we coordinate, we communicate, and so Job's friends did as well. They connected with one another. And the best course of action wasn't a potluck. It was to go and to be. Friends, they were. Until chapter 4. <laughs> the majority of the book of Job is about then the friends speaking. Job was the first one to speak, but instead of just listening compassionately and allowing that to be the story, they launched into it. They had been convinced that the reason that Job was suffering, it was his fault. You see, he had to have done something. He's not as righteous as he thinks he is. He had to have done something to offend God. Otherwise, this wouldn't have happened. Maybe he'd lost an animal or two, but not his whole family. Not everything. It's got to be Job's fault, and they wanted him to admit it so that they could set, he could set himself right with God. That was their agenda. That was their advice. That was actually their criticism of Job. Job, somehow you've brought this onto yourself. Now, folks, I want you to hear this really closely because God reprimands the friends. Eventually, God steps in and says, no way. Job is a righteous man. And the gifts that he will receive are even more abundant and even greater than he had initially. 
Job had done nothing wrong. Job was right. He had maintained his innocence throughout it all. The lesson here is for us when we do speak to be careful. As a friend, we carry a great responsibility to be careful with the words that we say to be cautious, to be loving, to be encouraging. But if we're going to criticize, to really step back and think, am I right about this? Often it's better to ask than to state. Ask the right questions. And so we have friends. We have these friends, these examples that come to us out of Scripture. And the first part of what they did was just excellent care, excellent being a friend. They would have fit right up there in the best friend category until they spoke. And there, too, is a lesson for us as being a good friend. We can't assume that we know what's going on in someone else's life. We can't assume that we have all the answers. And to be careful with that makes us a better friend than ever. We have too, and we've sung it this morning. We have a friend in Jesus Christ. One who makes connections for us. You see, Job's friends did that. They connected with Job right where he was. They wept with him. They sat with him. They tore their claws. In the Jewish tradition, that was a sign of mourning, to tear your robe and to throw dust and ashes over your head. For seven days, they sat that way. They connected to where Job was. Jesus Christ, the best friend we could possibly have, has done that for us as well. Offers a connection that no other can, and we celebrate that today in Holy Communion. The connection of, I see your sin. I see What separates you from God, your loving and eternal Father? I can help you. And this is the gift. The gift of his own sacrifice for us. There is no greater friend than Jesus Christ. And as we sing together to prepare ourselves to receive this holy gift of communion, we're going to sing Blessed Assurance, a song that gives us a picture of what a life connected to the friend of Jesus Christ looks like. Let us sing. <laughs>